0: Hi, this is Mary, and welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. So today I'm talking with my friend Jacqueline, and we are talking about the rules for sex and how those rules work. In the confines of attachment. So let's just drop into the conversation.
1: Today, we are going to talk so about. So, thanks for listening to this one. podcast. Sex. And who yes. doesn't
0: like to talk about and sex? I one know of the I do. I'm thinking about
1: so, any about is sex, is the argument, else,
0: for any other conversations about sex, attachment, or anything else, please DM me at Mary B Therapy on Instagram or you can and find me at MaryBtherapy.com. And thank you so much for listening. I used
2: to have a five date rule. So, yeah. I like the five day. I like the yeah, yeah. I, yeah.
1: As long as all the dates are done in a week.
2: As long as they're <laughs> done quickly. Back
1: when I remember, I used to. I did a lot of work on myself in this arena, of course. And I too, as I was navigating how to find a partner, and I was looking for certain rules or behaviors to maybe that that they, these kind of things will garner me the one. I remember this friend I used to have, and this person was a very attractive person, and always had someone around. And they had the rule that they, no sex until monogamy. And so whether that took 10 days, 30 days, 60 days, and sometimes it would even take 90 days, right? This person was really good about no sex until monogamy. And they would tell the people they were dating, I will not do this until we are monogamous. And then like clothwork, inevitably time after time again, they would get to that point Yes, we are monogamous. Sure, we we're monogamous. Yeah. After and the second date. No, it would usually, th- this, they yeah. would really wait longer. Yeah. It wouldn't be like two yeah. days and done, I know. Yeah. But this, want? it's Just important. Great. Yeah, exactly. And then the tables would turn. She would get these guys. They would wait 60 wow. days, et cetera. And then they would have sex. And they would, a week, two weeks later, be gone. Poof. And I always thought that was such an interesting marker for... As we navigate dating, it's not that rules don't work, and it's not that rules do work. Part of working on secure attachment is finding out what works for you. And that makes me think about your rule, Mary, the five-date rule. That was your specific rule. And I was just wondering if you could share a little more about why that worked for you.
2: I think it worked for me because I really wanted to be able to be with myself during the dating process in terms of, checking in with myself? Am I only sleeping? Am I having sex with this person? Because I really want to have sex with me and then I want to please them. So yes, I'm going to have sex with them. Or is the sex part really about me wanting to have sex when I wanted to have sex and feeling comfortable with it? And I knew for myself that I needed to get to a place where, hey, if I had sex with this person and this was going to be our last date, I needed to be okay with that. So I'm going to need to establish within myself what was okay and what was not okay. And I think like the five date rule worked for me because I usually would have these dates within a span of about three weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not always necessarily in control of when you're seeing that other person.
2: But it wasn't going to be like three months later. I didn't ever have, I'm not going to have sex with somebody until three months. It was more like, I really wanted to have five dates just so I can also get to know this person a little bit more and not just sleep with someone for the sake of sleeping with someone.
1: Mary, I know you and I are both therapists and we come from very different experiences in life. And when I hear you talk about why you chose five dates for yourself, there's a real consciousness to marking, how am I feeling about this? What am I looking for in this other person? There's a sense of empowerment of also bringing it back to your feelings. And I know something I struggled with as somebody who comes from a more anxious perspective is that stuff was hard for me. I was looking for the relationship to work and it wasn't necessarily about taking my initial feelings about how I felt about that person into account. It was like, no, I'm so into this person. I'm attracted to them. I want to have sex with them. I think they have some things. I knew very little about them, but they have the things. And so I want to be with that. And I was too anxious to even think about what kind of what would I want from this person? Would I be OK if I didn't see this person again? And I, I, part of it for me was really only oh, hey, the side of myself that maybe I just wanted to have sex with some of these people. And I actually didn't want a relationship. But that's OK, too. And coming from the heteronormative perspective and the gender roles that I grew up with, that certainly wasn't OK. And the biggest part about wh- why it wasn't OK for me, right? But the biggest part was because I ran anxious. And that anxiety, if you tend to dominate with a more anxious attachment style, if you jump into sex right away, you're going to feel more bonded. And that's great. Unless you're with someone who doesn't want to bond in the same ways. And I would almost use it as a way to seal the deal. It was so loaded. I love how you say you're going to feel more bonded as
2: opposed to my partner and I are getting. No, it was, about, it was about me. And, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: it was like it can be one sided. It, it really was. And my anxiety ran the show with that. So I wasn't able to see. It was like, in a way, the other person wasn't there. It was about me, my needs. And that's something as we work with our insecure style. The way into security is having that kind of dual awareness for your needs as well as the other person's, right? Understanding that we're interdependent, that somebody else is there with you navigating their journey and you have yours and not in a taking responsibility for the way, but understanding it's more than just you and like having the ability to look at the bigger picture.
2: There's a a couple of words that you used. One was power. And it made me think about how I'm reflecting back and it's like, I really loved being able to control my own narrative around dating. So I didn't feel like I was giving the other person my power. I felt like I actually had a stake in what was going on.
1: And the difference is I didn't. Right. I was so panicked about finding the right person or I would feel so attracted to somebody that I would feel like I didn't have any power. And so there was no room for me to feel my feelings it wasn't from a inherently selfish place I just I didn't know how to do that
0: yeah and I get that
1: I get
2: going out on the first date being so attracted to the person just feeling like this draw and you know that sexual energy and you're just like it's like this like you're on a drug, right because love is a drug, and it brings up all of these endorphins and neurochemicals and everything. And it just feels so, oh my gosh, I'm on this ride and I want to connect. And the way to connect is to have sex with this person. And that's what we think. And sex can just be sex or it can be more intimate. And so what I was looking for was more intimacy.
1: I hear that a real adult perspective. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And (laughs) And the way that we handle sex. And anything that we care about in essence is through Mary's in my eyes is that attachment lens. And if you have developmental attachment wounding fractures, which I did, and I know you did too, Mary, it just sounds like you were at a different place than I was at that period of time.
2: Definitely. It was definitely, I was at a different place and not every relationship that I experienced was like this. And so I love that you named that because again, we can move into different attachment styles and so just at that place that time in my life i was feeling
1: more secure and able to carry that with you in dating And the quality of relationships we're having ends up looking different and for me i also just a little sidebar is i grew up in a house with a lot of rules so in developmentally, like later on in life, I had to play out some of that like rebellious side that I didn't get at 13. Right. And so what was I doing dating other inner 13 year old, actually? And it is teenagers who I actually I have the utmost respect for teenagers. I find them so wise and raw and real. And sometimes they also don't necessarily see the larger picture. That's something that comes with wisdom and experience. And I was the same in that way. So it was like one thing was ruling me and that was the only thing I could think about. And so as if you're out there and you are trying to date and have sex in a way that is going to bring you what you want, as you said, okay. Mary, what would you say? Let's hear. Let's go through a few tips that you would tell somebody who runs a little more anxious because that's where it, like and avoid it might be able to wait to have sex. And avoid it might be able to
2: wait to have sex. Definitely. And also and avoid it can have sex and just walk away and be okay with sex without intimacy. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. It's like I was looking for something that felt more meaningful. So if I wanted to have sex, I could go have sex with whomever. But that wasn't where I was that time in my life. Like I just really wanted something more meaningful for myself. And I wanted to actually have a be in a relationship with somebody who wanted to be in a relationship with me
1: and anxious types always want sex they really struggle it could be i haven't had sex in a while and now i need sex but then i'm struggling because i also sex means more to me and so what do i do with that where do i stand I, it's like your hands are tied
2: exactly and so i think that what you were what we were talking about like some tips are one tip is knowing what you want so i knew what i wanted oftentimes reflecting back on my dating life i had no idea what i wanted and i am yeah. you're luck but it This part, what I'm talking about, when I did show up for myself, I knew exactly what I wanted.
1: I love that. And it's back to that word of power here. Security is power. And in that way, it's empowering for yourself. It's freedom. And I was like dating with intention.
2: My intention was like, I really want to be in a relationship and I'm not going to settle. So I'm not going to just just date a bunch of people and whatever. It's like, I was just very intentional in the way that I was dating
1: at
0: that point in my life.
1: And I think about somebody could be like very intentional and saying, I want to choose that partner, but maybe they're scared that partner doesn't exist. Still doing the work of this is what I want and being intentional around, like you said, back to, I love that five date rule. I'm going to throw that in there as a tip. Five dates, not, wait, what did I say? We don't like the word rules. Guidelines. Guidelines have flexibility. Right. And rule is like a wall. We don't want walls. We want guidelines. Guidelines are boundaries. They have a flexibility and give us the opportunity to know thyself and see how others respond. So if you take that five-day guideline along with knowing what you want, what I see in that is rather than saying to the person, Oh, I wait five dates to have sex. No. Don't, do that. don't announce it. Don't do no. that.
2: Which I never did. I never said that. And but what I did say is I don't have sex on the first date.
1: Or, yeah, you could say that. Or even as simple as, I remember someone who tried to even kiss me on the first date, and I just wasn't ready to kiss that person. And I just said, Oh, I'm not ready yet. And keeping it just in, I'm not ready, or I need more time, or I'm not quite comfortable yet. Or I need to feel safer in certain ways and just not there yet. I like it when I have the time and space and don't feel pressured. I actually did say that to someone and it was such useful information because I was able to see with the uncomfortable conversation, that's going to be another tip. So we got yeah. know you what you want, five date guideline, five date right? guideline, which you're navigating through how you feel and what you communicate. And then... Because that can be uncomfortable to have those conversations if you run anxious, because that inner, like I say, like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh is kind of make everything like nice and happy. And I don't want to upset or create any kind of. Right. Is Is
2: this person going to leave me?
1: Yeah. And based on just s- stating how you're feeling, you're going to be able to see how that person reacts and responds to you. And that is going to give you really helpful information around. Do you feel safe with this person? Do you want to move towards this person? Is this person the kind of person that equals whatever it is that you want? Or are they the opposite? Are they exhibiting a bunch of red flags? Yeah. And you're
2: giving yourself, you're giving yourself space to explore that. Because if you do have those hard conversations or when you do have those hard conversations, because when, we when, know that you're going to have yeah. those hard conversations. And you should not be, should be. And you see the other person responding in a way that might not work for you, then you know, you may feel better about yourself for not jumping in bed with them immediately.
1: Yeah, and with that, I also encourage you to explore the use of language, right? Like I said, I'm not comfortable quite yet. I need more time. I kept the focus on myself. Somebody might say back, maybe anxiously, oh, don't worry about that. Maybe they're somebody who's dismissing or they might not have the language to express their own discomfort but through more communication, you might realize they actually are in fact trying to support you. So it, again, that's why we go back to guidelines is we want to give it a little space yeah. so that you can understand if this is the kind of person that you even want to move forward. And if you were anxious, part of the struggle with anxiety is it's hard for me to understand what I feel because I'm so worried about whether the other person likes me or not, or is going to call or is going to show up.
2: And speaking of anxiety and having hard conversations, let's talk about the hard conversation of sexually transmittable diseases. It's actually
1: called STIs for the record now. We don't say disease anymore. It's actually sexually transmitted infections. And the reason is because a cold, there's a stigma around disease, right? And when we start thinking and understanding that they're just infections like getting a cold or the flu or anything else. It's just an infection. There's nothing inherently wrong with you or the other person. And really learning to navigate this in a different way does get rid of the stigma.
2: Yes. Actually, I don't like the word dis-ease, though, because it dis- does cause dis- a lot of dis- Diff- ease versus Down dis-ease. Dis-ease versus these types of conversations.
1: Yeah. We encourage. A discomfort. Yeah. It causes discomfort. I used to want to not have that conversation because it sounded awkward and I didn't want anything awkward. I didn't understand not wanting anything awkward. It was called anxiety. So, yes, yeah, so we encourage you to have that conversation before because it is awkward. And that's exactly what you want is if you run anxious, boundaries, awkwardness, uncomfortable conversations are going to be your best friend in seeing how somebody responds to you. And we want you taken care of along the way so you can make empowered choices.
2: So just to recap. Going into
1: I'm going to throw in one more real quick. Oh, and that would be knowing where the other person stands on sex and what it means to them Oh, and where they see that fitting in. Now, we all know that actions and words don't necessarily align. So what we're doing is giving ourselves the, basically the space to sort things out as best we can. This does not mean you will know every answer in advance. This requires checking in with yourself along the way.
2: Oh, that is a really a cool conversation to have ask somebody like what does sex mean to you and where do
1: you stand on it? If anxious, there's and how communication skills, there's big, sleuthy <laughs> ways you can ask these questions without somebody feeling confronted. I, I personally got very good at
2: that. Yeah. And that's just, I. It's, it'll tell you how much work the other person has done yeah. around this subject matter of sex and their expectations of it.
1: So, yeah. It can give you
2: so much information.
1: It really can. Yeah. The information is always there. It's just a, willy, a matter of, I don't like to say if we're willing to see it, if the survival responses, which is the, that insecurely attached part of us, if those behaviors are running the show, it pushes down anything else that isn't a survival response. So it masks our inherent intuition and our authentic feelings. So that's what we're trying to get you to navigate a little prepped in advance. So that you're able to be better prepared once you're in the situation.
2: I'm so happy you said that because that was just, that just popped into my head. How do you prepare yourself to have those conversations?
1: I like to practice them. And that's why I, Mary and I love to give like example tips of how to say these things. I feel uncomfortable or I'm not ready yet, or you seem great and I really like to take my time or In the past, things have been hard for me and I'm really trying to do it differently this time. This kind of conversation. It's a, being vulnerable in that way will give you information. But practicing it is huge, I think.
2: Yeah. Practice makes perfect. It
1: really does. I (laughs) always say learning secure attachment is really, it's a lifestyle. It's like becoming an Olympian. And imagine. It's working out. It's working out. I think it's also about The reason I say Olympian is because imagine, for example, some of us, maybe you want to become an Olympic tennis player, but your family grew up swimming. So you don't even know how to play tennis, which means, let's say your family had no communication skills, but you were trying to get the secure relationship, which involves communication skills, but you got other skills. So it's going to take that much more work for you to have this. And how do you get to Serena Williams' level of playing tennis? You do it all the time. And you still have the bad days. That is the way the work is. It's a lifestyle. It's not a one and done. And I know you and I both fully believe in therapy and it's also what you do off the mat.
2: Definitely what you do off the mat, off the couch, off the TikTok, all of it.
1: So I love off the couch. Which couch are we talking about right now? What?
2: Both in this case, both. Okay. So just as a recap, I want to go over some of the tips. So Guidelines, right? Whatever your guideline is, we, I, Brian was waiting five dates. Maybe I waited four sometimes. Maybe I waited six other times. Doesn't matter. It's just a guideline and knowing what feels comfortable for you.
1: That was number two, the knowing what you want, what feels comfortable for you, what you want out of dating relationships.
2: Yeah. And three is having some of those difficult conversations, whether they be around sex in general or sexually transmitted infection
1: yeah it's just an infection it's okay people there's no yeah. shame no sh- happens no to shame in the infection game
2: yes okay. it does in fact one out of four adults some type of infection
1: i think the number is higher than that because there's actually I think it is too. because for men you can't right there's no test for Menors, hpv spreaders. so many men don't even know they have hpv and actually 80 percent of the population has hsb And many, the high, I forget what the percentage is that don't know they have it, but the majority of the 80% don't know they have it because if you get a nice STI test, they don't actually test for HSV or HPV unless you specifically ask for HSV. And for men, there is no test for HPV. So we're just saying, this is why it's important to talk about so you're informed and just so that we can handle things, right? Because even if you're HIV positive, there's meds for that. We just want to make sure that you stay protected. Right?
2: And regardless of whether or not you have one and what you were saying, like they're not detectable in men. Some of these aren't detectable in men. It's like that's part of the condom conversation.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right? Whatever it is, these conversations can be challenging, difficult, feel uncomfortable. And we encourage you to lean into that.
1: And if you run anxious, they're going to feel extra triggering. And that's why we're talking about it, so that you can learn to handle things in a way that will not just feel empowering for you. They're really going to inform your choices for a partner. And honestly, I believe everybody likes boundaries in some essence. Yes, definitely. It does feel good. It helps the other person trust you, too. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in and happy dating.
0: So thanks for listening to this conversation about sex and attachment styles. I love talking about sex and I love talking about attachment styles. So for any information on me, any questions, feel free to drop into my DM on Instagram at Therapy, or you can reach out to me, check out my website, marybetherapy.com. And thanks for listening.